Hello from Berlin, uh, freezing Berlin. So I'm uh, really happy that my voice has returned. Uh, the live has returned. We are alive. Maybe that uh, Mercury retrograde getting slowly out of the shadows and moving into Capricorn uh, brought us back together again, which is really nice. So I'm wearing the color of 2024, ready to initiate the year. What I wanted to do today, and some of you um, emailed me back already, curious about it. I want to talk about Pedro Pascal, because we talked about him a little bit here. We actually talked about his character in Mandalorian. And I was talking about how he is a connection between Cancer and Aries. Little did I know that his chart reveals that. And that's one of the reasons probably why his character is, fits him so perfectly well. I think that one of the things that we can learn from this, especially if you are a casting director, is that maybe sneaking a view into the, um, or taking a glimpse at the actors or potential actors or contending to a certain role's chart can really reveal if there is a connection between the actual character they have to portray and their chart. So that's something we're going to look into today. And also because I'm going to be going to Budapest for the first time in this lifetime on Tuesday, I'm going to be there a few days. They were gracious enough to publish my book in Hungarian. So I'm going to go there and um, uh, talk about the book, talk about 2024. And because of that, because it's my first time in a place, I, especially if I have a feeling that I'm connected to the place, I wanted to read a book about it and I found this book really good book Budapest a portrait of a city between east and west and in that book I found a character that really made me connect somehow to the story of Budapest so we're going to look at his chart and his kind of tragic but interesting life and he was also dubbed I can't pronounce his name so I'm sorry I'm just going to tell you how Duke Ellington called him Count Steffi but Stefani, sorry, but um, he's considered to be the more celebrated or the greatest Hungarian uh, ever lived. At least that's according to Hungarian. I'm not taking credit for that, nor for Duke Ellington's um, uh, nicknaming him. So we're going to talk about these two um, uh, characters. And uh, also, of course, we're going to start with uh, the next week, what we actually have uh, in front of us. So Starting with um, the astrology of the week ahead. Uh, am I recording this? Yeah. So first of all, what we have today is an interesting combination of Saturn on top of the moon. Uh, like we talked last week, not the easiest combination because basically it talks about the moon, which is our expression, our emotion sitting on top of Saturn. Something is repressing it. Something is repressing our emotions, our feelings. But that's going to pass away. The moon is going to glide out of Saturn's reach every month. She's going to have to come there for a day or so to be under the scrutiny of Saturn being audited. So once a month, always, Saturn and the moon meet together and we have an audit on our, on our emotions. But what we have this week as one of the most um, important things is, first of all, the moon uh, gliding tomorrow on Monday on top of uh, Neptune. That's actually pretty good for dreams, imagination, anything to do with um, images uh, and and like speci specifically, just be a little bit careful not to daydream. But if you nightdream, there could actually a lot of be a lot of uh, nightly voyages and a lot of interesting insights that you can get from those um, uh, journeys. 
We have Mars in his exalted sign and Mercury, like we said last week, today moved into Capricorn. So things are going to start intellectually speaking and business-wise go much, much better. So one of the best things about this week is that communication is actually being delivered and heard. Messages arrive. So the next two, three weeks, three weeks, we have Mercury in Capricorn, because Mercury started this retrograde in Capricorn, we still are a little bit in the shadow, but in a few more days, we're going to move out of the shadow and you're totally going to see that things are flowing much easier and much better with all aspects of communication. So in that sense, it is really positive and it's going to really help us. The only thing is to pay attention because towards the end of the week, Mercury is going to be on top of Mars and too many people are listening to our screams or to our intensity in communication. So Mars on top of Mer Mercury. Remember, we talked about it before Mercury went re uh, retrograde. Now, because it's going back to the same place it was, it's going to once again step on top of Mars. At least it's not happening in Sagittarius, but it is talking about um, having to pay a little bit more attention to communication because Mars, the god of war, is very, very strong right now. Mercury is super excited because at last he's not in his sign of exile. And together they can create a little bit of trouble. So how you work, how you, sorry, how you write, how you communicate, uh, how you deal with people, just to be extra aware of it, extra careful. Because again, of that combination of Mercury and Mars coming together towards the end of the week. But leading up to it, it's going to give a lot of energy to your businesses, to communication, and being able also to investigate or go deeper into subjects that maybe before were somewhat hidden or not clear. Also, Mars is continuing to send a beautiful trine to Jupiter. That also is really helpful. But more important than that, in the next four days, and that's one of the beautiful things about this week, Mercury is going to send a trine to our Jupiter. So that's really flowing with communication. Especially it's going to be strong Tuesday, Wednesday. We'll talk about it in a second. When Mercury is sending a beautiful trine to Jupiter and because Uranus is also in Capricorn, he's going to move there as well and create a beautiful trine uh, to um, Uranus. That's always good news because Mercury and Uranus are kind of brothers and they are talking about communication, IT, technology, innovation, all of those things are going to really open up in a very strong way this week and next week. Venus is considering is, is sending actually a very nice t energy this today to the North Node. There's some karmic connections that are unfolding. Uh, there could be also suddenly you're getting a text or a message or an email or an encounter with somebody that looks familiar, that feels familiar. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do today is some work with people that at least for me when I encountered them, whether it's through books or through visual. I didn't meet those guys personally. One of them uh, is a celebrity. I didn't meet him. And the other one is dead for a long, long time. Maybe I met his other lifetime. But there is something creating now a, a sense of familiarity with certain people. You might be watching a movie and one of the characters is really touching you. Uh, you might be reading a book, if you're still reading books, like I do, and you might find some connection. Or you might write, uh, read an article and see that there is something connecting you to a person. That's because Venus is sending a beautiful energy to the South Node, familiar, and to the North Node, still to be discovered. And that is really good. Both of them are in fire, so it might inspire action uh, on your end. Um, if we move forward this week, and we're going into January 15, that tomorrow, Monday, is the day of dreaming. It's the day of the moon. We have the moon, Neptune, and Saturn. They're all in Pisces. It's a dreamy day. 
but we also have 40% of the chart in Capricorn, which is very pragmatic and practical. So together, creative visualization. If you can kind of create in your mind what you need, it will be transferred to the universe much faster. It's almost as if we have a direct line to some kind of prayers or wishing. So again, Mercury, Mars, Sun, Pluto, they're all in Capricorn. Pluto, of course, is going to move in January 20th uh, this week, actually, to Aquarius. That's a big deal. But until that happens, we have a lot of grounding energy. And with Pisces lubricating that grounding energy, we have an actual good vibe, a good car going there back and forth and helping us. We have also Jupiter and uh, Uranus in Taurus. So 40%, 60% of the chart is in Earth. 30% is in water. Very feminine energies today tomorrow and in um, maybe a little bit in Tuesday but it's going to be shifting the energy is shifting a little bit in Tuesday to more action but overall a lot of really interesting thing tomorrow on Monday especially if you can combine together your emotion your intellectual your your intuition your dreams your meditation your projection and grounding it and making it very very practical on um Tuesday, the energy is shifting in January 16, and we are having the moon moving into Aries. And moon in Aries is all about new beginning, especially because, don't forget, we have the dragon this whole year in Aries. So every time, once a month for two days, two and a half days, when the moon is in Aries, she's kind of reminding us of karmic things that we have to work with in a good way, not in a bad way. And it also means that you're carrying the dragon strongly with you. So there's a, a feeling of initiation, a feeling of movement. So it's always good when the moon is in Aries to know what you want to move forward. It happens to be that on that day, I'm going to be for the first time, Aries is the first sign, in Aries, in, uh, in uh, Budapest. That means that for me at least, because I didn't plan it like that, I've been there before. It's a return. Why? Because the North Node, the South Node have to do with past lifetimes. The Moon just trigger things. So always remember, even in your chart, whenever the Moon is moving over a planet, it activates it. So she's making it appear. She's kind of switching it on. And then she moves away. So the moon is always going to be the marker. Remember the one that points at things that are happening. So even if there is something going on uh, that could be a long um, aspect or transit, when the moon comes in, she kinds of triggering it. She's pushing it forward. So the moon on top of Chiron, that's going to be more on Wednesday. On top of uh, the North Node, also Wednesday. That's a time where things are moving really fast. But already on Tuesday, you're going to have a sense of new direction because the moon is starting a new cycle. The um, moon is sending, again, pretty intense energy towards Mars. So just be a little bit more careful in Tuesday not to invoke any kind of um, aggression. Don't, don't push the boundaries too much, even though the moon in Aries likes to kind of like, here I am and be a little bit too bold. Because it's going to be squaring Mercury and squaring Mars, be a little bit more careful. So um, how you communicate, how you talk, because remember the moon, uh, Mercury is catching up with Mars and also the moon is triggering that conjunction. So just to be a little bit more careful. That being said, Neptune and the Sun are sending beautiful energy in Tuesday. You're going to feel like you're channeling things. You're going to say things that are smarter than your regular IQ. You know, there's going to be a lot of uh, a connection, especially an empathic connection. 
just make sure that the boundaries are very clear again because Neptune uh, can um, erase boundaries very easily but Neptune sending a sextile to the sun is actually good news it's something that is working well just the only thing on that day to be a little bit more careful with that moon squaring Mars and squaring Mercury not to start any fights not to trigger anything not in yourself not in other people to be a little bit careful also of not overdoing because you're going to have a lot of uh, energy coming your way on January 17, what we have is the moon actually touching the north node, a lot of karmic connections. The moon is also on top of Chiron. So what's going to happen is the moon is going to be maybe activating some of your old wounds in order to fix them, in order to heal them. So there is this energy that is guiding you towards the past, towards your childhood. And, and nurturing that, but also bringing it out. It's kind of making it a little bit itchy, but also allowing you to put the cream and heal it. So pay attention, especially for with mothers, with family members. It can be a little bit more difficult. Some women are going to maybe piss you off or you're going to piss them off. But the good news is that the moon and Venus are sending beautiful trying to each other on Wednesday. And that means a great day for women or to hang out with women. So even though there is the moon on top of uh, Chiron and it talks about some uncomfortable energy maybe with women we have that venus which is the younger feminine energy and the moon the older feminine energy sending a beautiful trine to each other and they're supported by the north node so you're going to meet a lot of women you might have known in past lifetime or women that or people that you might have been women in a past life but regardless of that instinct about art design colors instinct that is sending you good energy for money or for talent so in that sense very very positive energy so that's good the only things happening in Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is Venus is going to create a tight square to Neptune. I told you there's always something happening. So even when Venus is really behaving nice with the moon, she's having a fight with, Merc with Neptune. And that usually talks about fantasy around relationship. Um, it could be putting people on a pedestal and then figuring out they're not, they ain't necessarily so. It's not really what I suspected. So again, be careful a little bit with dependency, codependency, lack of boundaries in relationships, any kind of addictions or attracting addictive personalities. So again, just to be careful because Venus is money and Neptune can be deceptive. Just be careful around Wednesday with matters that have to do with finance, uh, if you can. But again, it's not like you have to stay away from it because the moon is sending beautiful energy to the moon. It's sifting through or gleaming through uh, these aspects that's going to make it very, very important. Besides that, on um, Thursday, January 18, what we have is... Whereas the moon is moving into Taurus. That's great. Moon in Taurus is the moon of success. She's going to be on top of Jupiter because whenever the moon comes to Taurus once a month for two and a half days, especially these days until at least the end of May, she's touching Jupiter, which enhances her success energy. So in that sense, really positive energy that has to do with Thursday, January 18. We have the moon and Jupiter conjunct, which actually talks about very positive energy that has to do with success, recognition, um, artistic endeavors, especially with things that have to do with finance, can be really positive. And we're having the last few days of Pluto in Capricorn, and it's been there since 16 years. So we're going to start feeling that the Earth is a little bit shifting and moving. Capricorn is kind of trying to hold on to, uh, you know, Pluto a little bit longer if he can, because Pluto is power, but he has to give it up uh, to Aquarius. And that's going to happen on the weekend. So the weekend, very, very intense time. This is going to be a pretty intense weekend. 
But before that, Thursday, the moon on top of Jupiter, beautiful energy, it's sending a great trine to Mars and to Mercury. So we have a lot of connection in Earth. We have Mercury, Sun, the Pluto, Mars, all of them in Capricorn. Then we have the moon, Jupiter, Uranus in Taurus. Very pragmatic time. It's 70% of the chart is in Earth. And it's watered by Saturn and Neptune in Pisces. Even Minerva is in Scorpio. A lot of water in Earth. That's basically a garden that is being watered. The only problem is too much water in the Earth. So we have to be a little bit careful with flooding. But it's not something as serious. What we have also is a very strong connection between your intuition and your practicality. So again, Thursday is a great day to get things done. And to connect to your to finance, connect to your health, connect to your um, uh, talents, even your self-worth. So in that sense, very, very positive energy. Um, and Mercury is still catching up with Mars. He hasn't caught up with it. It's probably going to happen next week. If we look on Friday, January 19, we have the moon still in Taurus, which is great. Taurus is ruled by Venus. Venus is the day of Friday. So that's great. And it is the last day of Pluto on top of um, in Capricorn and Pluto and the Sun are conjuncting so there's going to be a lot of power struggles a lot of um, have to be careful a little bit from abuse or people abusing power or people snatching some of the power away from you so just to be a little bit more aware of it a little bit more careful um, besides that we have the trine between Jupiter and Mercury perfectly aligned so on Friday on Saturday we have a beautiful trine between Mercury, Mars, the, and Uranus. That means laughter, communication flowing very well, technology, innovation. So you're going to get crazy ideas that could be very pragmatic and practical. You don't have to fulfill all of them now. Maybe you should just write them down and maybe later on when you don't have so many good ideas, you can actually tap into them. But it definitely talks about a day when writing, communication, networking. I mean, look at the moon. She's 15 degrees towards smack in the middle on top of Uranus. Yeah, there could be some crazy women around you or you might have a tendency to take a risk too much. But look at Jupiter sending beautiful energy to Mercury, beautiful energy to the sun. It's almost like perfect. There is no problem. Then it's sending great energy to Saturn. Uh, Saturn and Jupiter together is always good news. The expansion and the focus coming together. So it's actually an interesting good day to get things done and to be very inspired, especially with communities, especially with people. January 20th is an interesting day because on January 20th, officially, Sun and Pluto are both together, holding hand to hand, or moving into Aquarius. It's almost as if the Sun didn't trust that Capricorn is going to let go of Pluto. So he came to kind of push Pluto along with him into Aquarius. They're going to be there until end of September, from the end of September until the end of November. It's going to be in Capricorn back again, saying goodbye, packing the last few things they need. And then Pluto is going to move for 20 years at the end of November this year into Aquarius. And that is why the next two, decade, the two decades are going to be intense. A lot of change of powers, a lot of transformation, a lot of revolution, a lot of ups and downs. People ask, is 2024 good eh, or bad? It's more about the two decades that are going to be very transformative. So we're not talking about some... Um, you know, sprint into the finish line. We're talking about take your time. You know, you better you better go into walking and even walking slow because it's much more than a marathon. The moon is still in Taurus on Saturday, helping us definitely, and it's sending a beautiful trine. So Saturday we have a beautiful trine between the moon and the sun. It usually talks about connection to satisfaction, 
a good energy around community. It closes a beautiful triangle, which is great. And even Saturn is creating a beautiful kite. Uh, basically, it means positive energy between uh, Jupiter, Saturn, and Mercury and Mars. So even Saturday, you can hold the kite and start flying up, um, you know, like get to other places or being able to see things from above. So again, pretty intense, positive uh, time. What we have on Sunday, January 21, is a complete move into Aquarius, both from Pluto and the Sun, and the Moon moving into Gemini, which is, again, very compatible with Aquarius. So next Sunday, we'll talk about it more uh, when we meet and that will be the week ahead. Now, what I wanted to do is um, share with you a few thoughts about a few charts. Um, so first of all, if you're in Scotland, we're going to do that um, in a very interesting day right on Saturday. But it's in person in Scotland. So I hope somebody... I meet from uh, you guys from the gang uh, we're going to have a whole day with uh, psychologists with therapists it's going to be very very interesting i hope you can make it and i'm going to be in uh, edinburgh that time if you are in uh, if you are in budapest or not too far from budapest we're going to have a lot of events there so definitely come and say hello and then i'm going to be in london from the 24th until the 31st so again those workshops of time travel meditation we're going to do on the 28th, on the 27th, we have the 2024 class. Those are both webinars as well. But if you're in London, it's always good to come in person. And in London, I'm also going to do the past lifetime regression with the Life Center. If you're around, uh, definitely uh, it would be great to see you guys. So, and also, of course, if you can help out with um, good reviews, remember I told you uh, New York Post, which is very conservative, did the whole thing about my, my book in a very nice way, but a lot of the people there got my book and decided that it is uh, a liberal propaganda, which might be the case. I don't know. but I'm, just, I'm not getting paid for it. It's just really what I feel. Anyway, if you got my book and thought it's worth uh, an endorsement, definitely, if you can do it on Amazon or any other uh, platform, that would be Great. So now I wanted to talk about Pedro Pascal. We talked about the uh, Mandalorian here a while back because I think it's one of the best shows that are out there. Uh, the first season, the second season, the offshoots, I'm not connected so much, but Mandalorian is brilliant. Brilliant because it really takes the genre of the Wild West with the music, with the shots, with the, with, um, the scenes to the next level. So it's almost like an update, an updated um, Wild West, which is, of course, always an interesting genre. And what, I, what we talked about here is that concept of how that character can be a very nurturing parent, which is very cancer energy, and yet be a warrior, a fighter, which is very much an Aries energy. And remember, we talked about how Aries and Cancer are very uh, difficult signs to put together in the same box, the same way that Scorpio and Leo is, for example. Why? Because they're squaring. Squaring basically means they don't get along very well. They belong to different elements that are not compatible. Fire and water. It doesn't have to be a genius to know that fire and water together in the same person or the same character or the same uh, situation can be a little bit difficult, you know, on, unless it's, of course, a rainbow, which is the sun's ray going through the water, but it's not as fire. It's not like you're splashing a bucket of water into the sun or taking a piece of the sun into the ocean. It could be catastrophic. So 
we know intuitively speaking that without being a great alchemist that putting fire and water together in the same space the same character the same moment can be very very difficult but the alchemists tell us that if you manage to do that you can create gold gold basically means perfection gold is the heart it's the child it's the golden child it's spirituality it's oneness it's the best possible and not a lot of characters can actually do it in a very um, authentic way until the Mandalorian. In the Mandalorian, you have these two archetypes working so well. You have this kid, this baby, not really a baby, but a baby, um, a baby Yoda, right? It's not a Yoda, but I forgot how the species is called, but they're very good with the force. Anyway, he's kind of tiny. He's, he needs help. He needs nurturing. He needs protection, right? And that's precisely what cancer energy is all about. That's why parents uh, are the one that gives us security. That's why when we feel bad, we kind of go into cocoon or we go into a fetal um, position. We want to retreat back to the womb, cancer, the sign of the shell. You want to retreat back to a place that is safe. Home is ruled by cancer, which is all about feeling safe at your home. You don't want anybody suddenly walking into your home. So cancer is all about that energy of feeling safe, feeling secured. Aries, which is the warrior, is the opposite. It's breaking away from that sense of security. It's going to, boldly going to a place where no one has been before, conquering new grounds. Um, it's considered to be shameful for an Aries to walk on the same road that another person walked before. The whole thing about the virgin path, you know. So Aries is all about the pioneer conquest, going into the unknown, meeting the monsters, slaying the monsters. Monster is basically a concept or, or an, a symbolism of the unknown. And what the Aries, the warrior, is supposed to do is slaughter these monsters to show that, okay, we, we understand that. We conquer that. Next. next. You know, so the same way that you're doing your BA and then your master's and your PhD, you're conquering knowledge. Okay, So the whole thing about Aries is to break away from the shell, to get out of the safe place, to, um, to tantalize life, okay? That's why it's ruled by Mars, the god of war. Uh, cancer is ruled by the moon, energy of nurturing and going inward. It's completely different types of energy. It's like going in compared to going out. And we talked about how the beautiful, how in the Mandalorian, the historic Mandalorian, you have this situation where suddenly he has to take care of this um, innocent and this helpless, eh, not that helpless eventually, but at the beginning at least, helpless, uh, let's call him kid, um, even though he's kind of holding him in one hand here, he's like driving really fast on his whatever, his like motorcycle, and he's in the other hand, he's actually shooting somebody. It's very unsafe. You know, any mother will be appalled by it. But what can we do? I'm a parent and I'm a fighter, I'm a warrior, I'm an Aries, and I have to take care of this kid now. And I'm feeling very emotional about him, but I'm patient still. And this is my cancer. And we talked about how beautiful it's done in Mandalorian, but I never suspected until I looked at the chart of Pedro Pascal that he literally is an Aries with a cancer rising. And I thought, wow, that's kind of amazing. His moon is in Capricorn, which is kind of interesting because moon in Capricorn is all about tradition, conservative energy. Here we're talking about the concept of the Wild West being updated, upgraded. Now, I don't think that it necessarily was written for him. Maybe it was. But maybe it's just a synchronicity that an Aries with a Cancer rising found this kind of um, character. And maybe that's one of the reasons why he made such a big splash with it or why it was so uh, successful 
in a sense. Now, it's also interesting that the Mandalorian came when Saturn, in his chart, in the Pedro Pascal chart, was on top of Mars, the god of war. And his Saturn, Natalie, is in Cancer. So you see this whole thing. It's not only about him as a character in general and his natal chart, but also how the planets in the transits supported the fact that right in 2019, the first season of Saturn sitting on top of his Mars. Mars is the ruler of his sun. Saturn is where he has cancer in the first house, the house of me and my body. They came together uh, to create this. So that, again, is really, really beautiful. Also, 2019 was when the eclipses were in Cancer and Capricorn, and his moon is in Capricorn, and he's a Cancer rising. So again, all of these are really interesting. And then I thought about Pedro. Pedro actually comes from stone. That's what the meaning of the word is, right? stone and uh, the moon he has the moon which is the ruler of his chart in Capricorn Capricorn is considered to be the stone the rock the mountain so that's another thing and Pascal of course if you know it's like Pasqua it is the child of Easter and of course Easter is associated with Aries so his name whoever gave it to him very very uh, appropriate now, it's interesting, if you look at his life, his mother actually committed suicide when he was 25, and that's why he assumed her last name or her name, um, which, again, is very interesting because he's a Cancer rising, which means that he's ruled by the moon, and his moon is in Capricorn. And remember, we talked here many times, the moon in Capricorn is in exile. She's not happy. It's almost as if she's feeling not connected uh, to the earth. And it's also true that at the age of nine months, talking about carrying a baby and running away, which he happened to have, at the age of nine months, he, his family had to seek asylum. And they went to uh, Venezuela, then they went to Denmark. Eventually, they settled in uh, Texas, I believe. So even he had to have somebody carry him and, and run away from one place to the other. Um, but again, it's tragic that the moon, mother in the chart, it's always the mother, um, in Capricorn mean in exile. She literally was in exile and eventually she felt exiled from her personality or from herself and committed suicide. Now in 2014 and 2015 were very important times in his career. We'll talk about it in a second. Also 2014, 2015, it was 3940. When you reach the age of 3940 is the time where you're channeling the wisdom. You know, the, the Quran was uh, given to Muhammad at the age of 40. Uh, um, Moses... Um, escaped Egypt at the age of 40. So there's something about 40 which means that you're channeling your wisdom. You're channeling what you're going to give humanity. Your kleos, your glory as it's called in Greek. So that's why Narcos and also his character in Game of Thrones became such a big deal because those were happening when he was 39, 40 and it launched his career. And of course, in 2023, he added another character that is a father to a crazy kid in a place that is impossible. But he, of course, he's not the actual father. He's an adopted father in the great TV show of HBO, The Last of Us. Again, very, very recommended. And that also happened when Saturn was on top of his Mars. So this is just an indication of how these kind of things work, which I think is also really important. Now, people also said, oh, he did a lot of stuff before, but he was discovered late. He wasn't discovered late. He's just a late bloomer. When you have Saturn in your first house and your moon is in Capricorn, everything takes time. So if you have that Saturn in the first house or the moon in Capricorn or any kind of Capricorn activity in your chart, no worries, you're a late bloomer. Just keep going. You'll make it eventually just like Pedro. That was about uh, Pedro. 
And now I wanted to talk about a very interesting character. He's considered to be the great Hungarian Count Istvan, but I cannot pronounce his last name for the for the you know I I don't know how to say it. Szczenzni. Now Hungarian in general is a language that is very very difficult to pronounce, so I'm not like uh, alone in there. But um, we'll call him Stefani Estefi, which is what Wellington called him. And he was a very, very interesting character. First of all, he was a Virgo. September, he was born September 21, 1791. And maybe the, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about it is because he was born during the transit, the last transit of Pluto in Aquarius, which we talked about. It was around the time of the French Revolution. The American Constitution was uh, ratified. The uh, Industrial Revolution started spreading. And it definitely affected the fact that uh, we are now entering Pluto into Aquarius. And we're talking about him when Pluto in Aquarius was last time. So first of all, at the age of 24, which is a very important age, you can go back in your life and see what was going on. You experienced your second Saturn return. Sorry, second Jupiter return. Jupiter return every 12 years. So at the age of 12, 24, 36, 48, it gives you a gift. It gives you some positive flow. And at the age of 24, on his second Jupiter return, he travels to England. And from that time, he fell in love completely with England and what England had to offer. And he becomes uh, an Anglophile, and he since then went many times to England and tried to kind of connect the history or, or the, the trajectory of Hungary as it became a nation with England. Now, it's also interesting because he apparently was an amazing soldier, amazing warrior, because he participated in the Napoleonian Wars and he was decorated. He created a lot of, uh, a lot of moments where he was really uh, beyond anybody, you know, what they expected. And that's why, of course, Duke, Duke Wellington knew about him. It was uh, the main, uh, let's say, one that actually dealt with Napoleon eventually. But... Like what I wanted to show is that on the second Jupiter return, Jupiter has to do with uh, travel, with education. That's when he reached England. So again, go back to the age of 12, 24, 36. See if you went someplace. If something happened, especially in connection to traveling to foreign cultures, foreign traditions. Uh, for example, for me, I went to uh, Istanbul for the first time and I started traveling quite a lot with, all, with a book that was translated to different languages. So there is something about the ages of 12, 24, 36 that pushes you out there, makes you either travel in physicality or travel in your mind and connects you to something that can teach you and can help you teach others because that's what Jupiter is all about. But the inciting incident of his life really happened on the winter of 2020 and 21. He was 29 years old. The minute I see in a book somebody talking about a 29-year-old, I immediately perk my ears because we were talking about Saturn return. And Saturn returned, we said, 27 to 30. Also go back in your life to see what was going on there. At that time, he's um, the, um, uh, the count, let's call him the count, uh, born a Virgo, which is all about engineering and servants. service, couldn't cross the Danube, you know, that, that, that Budapest is basically two cities, uh, Buddha and Pest, and in between there is the Danube. At that time it was one kilometer wide. It's like impossible to swim, it's impossible to cross. Uh, even in winter when it's really cold, it doesn't completely freeze uh, all of it. Some parts freeze, some years it freeze. A lot of people die when they try to cross. Anyway, he was trying to cross in order to go to Vienna and reach 
officiates father's funeral. So think about how symbolic this is all about, uh, all, all about here, because we have Saturn, which is the image of the father, and there is blocks always in Saturn return. You always deal with father figure issues, and suddenly I, I can't cross the Danube because there is no there's no bridge. There's no bridge. It's already 18, 20, 21, and there is no bridge there. Yes, in Vienna there is bridges. In other places there's bridges across the Danube, but why not here? So what he, this inciting incident, he writes in his diary, um, I would give a year's income to build a bridge between Buddha and Pest, even if I myself never derive a single growth of profit from it. And he makes a sensational speech because in the Diet, Diet is like the Parliament of uh, Hungary at that time, and he's not doing it in Latin, which was the official language, he's doing it in Hungarian, which is a language that started resurrecting around the end of the 18th century, beginning of the 19th century, and it was considered to be an act of uh, defiance for the uh, Austrian Empire at that time. And what he does after that, um, he was 29, 30 years old, he donates his yearly income to establish the Academy of Sciences. You see how he's influenced by that industrial revolution from England. And he gives his whole year income, basically. His mother is very worried. She's asking you, how are you going to... What are you going to make? Are you going to survive? And he said, well, my friends are going to help him. And actually they did. And they continued to also donate to start building the bridge, at least. Um, and in 1831, at the age of 40, remember we talked about it, Muhammad gave us the Quran, age of 40, super, super important. At the age of 40, he writes a, a book, it's called Hitel, which in Hungarian means credit, and it's um, support the end of uh, serfdom, you know, like still in uh, Hungary at that time, the peasants were basically bound to the ground, to the earth, to the earth, to the, to the soil, to the land, and nobles didn't pay taxes. They also thought, like uh, some people still here in America, that uh, it trickles down. If you don't tax the rich, um, uh, the country will be great. Even then, in 1830, they saw that it's nonsense and it's bullshit. So um, I wonder why people still think about it like that. But anyway, people were really upset. He's a noble person, and he's called a traitor to his own class. That's the age of 40. The same, the same thing that tells you that at the age of 40, you're channeling some information. You're bringing your biggest work. It might take years to develop, but you're kind of connecting to it. But you know what? There's going to be resistance. There's going to be people burning your books, which are literally what happened to him. So anyway, he brings his basically most important book, the, the book that actually pushes people's awareness about him. Now, the thing about his, the bridge is that he actually, in, 19, in 1832, at the age of 40, 41, he founds the Budapest Bridge Association. Now, you have to understand, this is the first time that the word Budapest is actually used without a hyphen in the middle. So that's a big, big deal. He actually is the one, I'm not saying coined the word Budapest, but used it for the first time. And it is founded in the foundation, is laid on the 24th of August. Of course, it's also um, uh, Virgo. But it takes four, seven years to complete. Why seven? Again, we talked about the seven-year itch. It's a lot of time. has to do with big projects that have a lot of resistance because Saturn is 28 to 30 years. Remember, 29 and a half, we said. You divide it by four, you get the seven-year itch. And that's why you have to do it in sevens. That's why Jacob had to work seven years for Rachel, seven years for Leah, and seven more years for God knows who. So the whole thing about him is that he really... The bridge took seven years. It's a chain bridge. It's still going on. Even though it was bombed, it was rebuilt. 
But again, it is the bridge that connects the city and in a sense connected Budapest and created a capital for this new emerging, emerging uh, country. The tragedy is uh, continuing because what happened in, um, um, by the way, this is his chart, and we can see that he's a Virgo with moon in Cancer, which is all about home and family, um, and with a lot of Libra energy, which is all about beauty, design. This is the color, this is, sorry, the uh, bridge. If you go to uh, Budapest, you'll probably see it. I'll try to take a picture this week. But the drama becomes more relevant for us on our second Saturn return. Second Saturn return happens 56 to 60. And that's not always easy. It's a reflection of the first Saturn return, 27 to 30. 56 to 60 is your second Saturn return. And what happened in the second Saturn return is Hungary goes into the Great Hungarian Revolution of 1848. It's part of the spring of nations. If you remember, there were revolutions in Napoli, in um, um, it was happening all over in Prague. It was happening in Vienna. The people uh, in, in France, people rebelled. It was failed. It failed, the revolution. But still, it was the spring of nations. Nationalism became very, very dominant at that time. And it uh, tanked, basically completely repressed. So that caused him a big depression. We're talking about second Saturn return. He's 57 years old. The doctor ordered him to go to a private asylum. And with his wife care, he gradually recovered. He never went back to politics, but um, he continued writing. Unfortunately, less than 10 years later, he committed suicide. So again, a pretty intense life. Now, I want you to see how the magic works, because we talked about it one time here, that even after your death, your chart is still active. And we're just going to take the Saturn return as an example. We had to wait seven Saturn returns, which is, again, very symbolic, until in 1998, two astronomers that were Hungarian were discovered an asteroid in the solar system, and they named him in, they named the asteroid on his memory in his memory so that's the name of the uh, uh, asteroid it's uh, asteroid 91024 i know it sounds like a, a zip code but it's not and it was uh, discovered by christian uh, sarsenchesky i'm probably completely saying it wrong lasa lokris um, and in 1998 basically precisely seven saturn returns after his birth so it was his seventh saturn return uh, they named it after him. It's like in the mythology, you know, the hero is projected into the uh, constellation and becomes a star to shine for everybody. And it happened to him right at that time. So again, it's remarkable that even after our death, if we worked really well in our life, Saturn return continues again and again. And every Saturn return, something significant happens. But in this case, because he's the greatest Hungarian, uh, according to Hungarian I'm sure some other people say, uh, some of the Hungarians don't agree, but I'm saying in general, that's what the, the general saying is. He got to get, again, with the gods to the stars. So that was a little bit of um, the tale so that you can also see that these patterns that return are not necessarily only with great actors or great characters or great uh, people in, person in personalities in history, but it also happens to you in your own life. So that was uh, what I wanted to um, recap for you here in Berlin. Great city, great coffee at last, great sourdough. That's what's important for a person like me. Sourdough, coffee. Uh, I need to know where the gym is also. And if there are beautiful parks, that also helps a lot. 
So I hope to see you, whether it's in Budapest or whether it is in, uh, in London or Edinburgh or Sofia. I wish you an amazing week. Hey, Belinda, at least I see you now. And um, hello, Anne, and all those that opened their windows and their uh, cameras for me. Thanks a lot for spending time with me. It's always nice to go some places in the world and say, oh, yeah, I heard you on Sunday. I, I never believe anybody's hearing it besides me. I'm so used to talking to myself that I don't care, to be honest. But it's always nice that actually some people say, well, we did listen to you. Again, have a great week. And uh, I hope that um, Pluto's transfer into Aquarius will be smooth. Usually it's not. So let's uh, cross our fingers and do whatever you need with your fingers to make sure that it does go well. Thanks a lot.